Well, my name is Josh. I'm the teaching minister here at Clear Creek. And if you are a guest, we want to welcome you and wish you a very Merry Christmas and invite you, if you're looking for a church home or just a place to sort of put down roots, we'd love to get to know you better. Uh, I can tell you this is not a perfect church, but that's good news. Because if it were a perfect church, then you would mess it up by coming here. I would have messed it up by coming here. This is an imperfect church full of people who love a perfect God. And it's in Jesus that we give all praise and have our hope. And so I just want to invite you this morning, if you're looking around trying to figure out where you might take your next step, in just about 10 minutes from right now, we're going to give you opportunity to take your next step. Uh, There's a couple ways to do this. I just want to prime the pump so you know, one, I'll be down front here. And I'd love to receive you if you want to be prayed over, if there's something on your heart, if you want to take your next step. Maybe you're not sure what that next step is. We'd love to help you figure that out. Or, or maybe that's not your next step. Maybe you simply want to talk to someone, to have someone sort of encourage you. Well, after our service, in about 10 minutes, you just go through these double doors, either one. Go right out here to room A2. Some of our elders will be waiting for you there, and they'd love to pray with you, talk with you, and help you take your next step. But whatever it is. We want to be a family that can help you find your next step with Jesus Christ. All month we've been looking at this one idea. What is Christmas? If you're to boil it down to the basics, to the fundamentals, what is it all about? And we began four weeks ago now looking at the idea of we don't want to miss the moment. What moment, you say? Well, it's the moment we are about to look at this morning. We've read about the moment. We've read the prophecies from Isaiah. We have read and heard read to us this morning the story of Christ's announcement, his birth, the wise men, the shepherds, all those details that make this such a beautiful tapestry. We even heard from Nelson this morning during communion. What a great job. That that was just such a gift. Thank you, Nelson. But I tell you, if you want to boil down the entire Christmas story into one verse, I think you can do it. There's one little verse in one little letter in the New Testament by a man named Paul, who when he wrote to a church in the city of Galatia, he gave us this one sentence that says, this is Christmas. It's simply this, where he says, When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son. You say, well, how does that tell us the whole story? Well, it tells us the whole story because of one key word, this word right here, fullness. Everyone, let's just go ahead and say this together. Fullness on the count of three. Ready? One, two, three. Now, this word is not just fullness. In fact, if we could peel back the layers of language, you'd realize that this word is the Greek word pleroma. Everyone say pleroma. Good job. Even if you mumble, it's great. Pleroma. This is one of those great words that does not translate very well in English. The word is not simply full. It's like not just sort of full or kind of full. It's like I went to the Golden Corral Buffet kind of full. I just kept going back, going back. In fact, if you wanted to translate it better, pleroma means super full. Here, here's the picture. Here's the picture. If we were to take 
a cup and you go and you get your cup filled. Maybe you get a cup of coffee. How many coffee drinkers in the church this morning? Welcome, you all are going to heaven. It's great. (laughs) Or maybe you're not a coffee drinker, you're a tea drinker. Anyone like tea? Or or maybe you're like Mitch and it's just Coca-Cola, 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 whatever it is. You go and you fill up that cup. Now, now a full glass goes to about here, right? Because you need a little bit of room so if you kind of, you know, wiggle it around or something, you're not going to spill it all over yourself. And so you fill it up and you say, I have a full glass, but this is not pleroma. This is just sort of full. Paul is telling us that at just the right time, God said, oh, 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 right, right here, right here, super full at the perfect moment. Not a moment too soon, not a moment too late. God sent his son. If you go back through the Old Testament, you'll see a God who is slowly filling the cup of human history with the events that would lead to the moment when Christ would come. And here's what's so interesting about this. Along the way, as God is interacting in human history and pushing pieces around and setting the scene for the proper moment, the people of God throughout history would constantly cry out, When, Lord, when will you send Messiah, the chosen one, the Savior of the world? Why not now? And throughout history, God's saying, It's not quite time, but I'm working, I'm working And so we see in the Old Testament, God working. He slowly begins to fill the cup. He starts in Genesis chapter 3, right after Adam and Eve sin in the garden. He says, you've sinned, the world is broken, things are getting worse, but there will come a day when I send one. He will crush the head of the serpent, Pleroma. It's coming. Not yet, but it's coming. Fast forward. Then we have a man named Abraham, and God says to Abraham, I'm going to bless you, Abraham, and through you, all nations will be blessed by you. The time is not yet, but it is coming. We're then told one of the prophecies, one of the fulfillments that Messiah would be a particular person in a particular place at a particular time in history. There were certain details that had to be fulfilled and one of those we're told is that the Messiah would be born from the tribe of Judah, God working. He says, it's coming, it's coming. There's going to be a boy named Judah and he's going to have a kid who has a kid who has a kid who has a kid times a number of kids and then the Messiah will come. Fast forward a few more years, you then are told that there's a man named David who takes this city that is named Jerusalem. Now, Jerusalem is important because at just the right time in Jerusalem, the Messiah would die for the sins of the world. And God says, oh, David, you think you're just capturing a city, but I am letting you capture it so I can liberate humanity. It's not yet time, but it's coming. You then fast forward a little more and you now have the prophets. Israel has been divided and broken and beaten down, taken into captivity. And the question is, when will Messiah come? And God says, he's coming. He will be born of a virgin. He will be the prince of peace. He will be called Emmanuel, God with us. It's coming. Not yet, but I am at work. You then fast forward just a little bit more. Israel has been broken apart. Now it's scattered. Ten tribes to the wind. Two tribes in exile. And we wonder, will God's promise ever come to fruition? And the, the Messiah is prophesied. He will be born in Bethlehem. It's coming, not yet. But he'll be born in Bethlehem. But he'll be raised in Nazareth. 
Wait, why Nazareth? Well, it's just an important detail. It's coming. And then we get 700 years of silence from the end of the Old Testament until the moment when the angel says, he's almost here. You say, why 700 years? Why was God so quiet? Why was he inactive? And God would tell you, I'm not inactive. And just because you can't see what I'm doing doesn't mean I'm not working. You see, those 700 years are important because now what he is doing over the next 700 years from the end of the Old to the beginning of the New Testament, he is not just working in Israel's history, but now he's working throughout the pagan cultures and history. He is raising up certain nations, knocking them down, raising up others, knocking them down. He's building up to a point so that a particular nation by the name of Rome would come into play. You say, why Rome? Well, Rome was very strategic for a number of reasons. Rome was this superpower. And they learned from the previous empires that had come and gone. And some of the things they learned, they they improved upon the road systems of the other nations so that their conquered people groups could travel farther, faster. They were able to get where they were going. You say, why is this important? Because at just the right time, God's going to send his son and the message of Jesus is going to have to be able to be spread fast and far. Rome also brought one other thing, not just great road systems. Rome brought this thing called the Pax Romana, the peace of Rome. You say, why is that important? Well, it does no good to travel if you can't do it in safety. And Rome made it safe to travel. Pleroma, it's almost here. It's coming. It's coming. Fullness, not quite. We're we're getting close. We're almost there, but time is not quite ready. And then God says, oh, and by the way, I'm going to raise up not only the right nation, but I'm going to raise up the right ruler. There's a guy by the name of Caesar Augustus who's come to power. And the way that he would improve upon his nation and pay his army was through taxation. Well, how do you know how much to tax your people? Very simply, you need to know first how many people you have. So he says, I've got a great idea. Let's have a census. And so we're told in Luke chapter 2, he says, hey, there's going to be a census. And so we think that Emperor Augustus is actually calling the shots, moving people around, when in fact... He causes a young man named Joseph to take his new little bride, pregnant with child, back to Joseph's hometown of Bethlehem. Why is that important? Because Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. You see, Caesar thought he was calling the shots, but no, 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 God was just filling the cup. It's almost here. It's almost here. But wait, there's more. At just the right time, in fact, just a few years before the birth of Christ, another little boy was born. His name was Saul, and Saul was just brilliant. He had a mind like a lawyer. He was able to see things and understand things about the scriptures that boggled other people's minds. But a few years before him, there was a man named Gamaliel, and he was a rabbi, a Jewish teacher who was brilliant. And under his tutelage, Saul would learn, and he would become fervent for the word of God So that when he became a grown man and the resurrected Jesus met this Saul, he became Paul. So he was born at just the right time, in just the right place, at just the right circumstances. But wait, there's more. There were other little people born during this time. There's a boy by the name of Peter who was born just a few years after this. Peter, the loud mouth, the foot in mouth syndrome. He was born to a fisherman father. 
So that at just the right time, when Jesus was walking along the sea, this fisherman would be out there and Jesus would say, follow me, and Peter would. And although his story is up and down like every one of our stories, at just the right time, he was ready to share what he had seen, heard, experienced, so that the world would never be the same. At just the right time. And then in Bethlehem, at just the right time, when the cup was just about full, Right there on the brim. Oh, right there. Shh. Plural. And it's dripping down my arm. (laughs) He came at just the right time when all was prepared, when it was full, God said he is here as though creation could not hold its breath any longer. It spilled over in the birth of a child named Jesus. Yeshua. God saves. Isn't it interesting? The years and years of people praying and asking God, why are you delaying? What are you up to? What's going on? Why not now? And the whole time, as people were going, why not now? Don't you know what we're going through, God? Won't you interact in our world? Intervene. Do something. Just get here now. And isn't it interesting that life can almost always be understood in the rear view, but rarely going forward? It is only after you see what God has been doing, you recognize that he was not sitting on the couch in heaven watching soaps. He was at work in the world. He was changing things, moving parts and pieces. Here's the thing I want you to hear. There's a Christmas principle. And here's the principle. Are you ready? Even when we don't see God's hand, God's still working his plan Even when we can't see what he is doing right now, he is still at work. Just because you may not hear him doesn't mean he isn't working. At just the right time, when the world thought God had given up on them, 400 years of silence, 700 years since one of the prophecies, he shows up at just the right time. Pleroma, at the fullness of time, God interacted and said, here it is. Now listen, here's the reality. This morning, we are now sitting less than 48 hours from Christmas Day. For some of you, you say yes. For others of you, you're saying, no, I gotta buy more gifts. But it's coming. It's almost here. And the reality is we celebrate a moment in time when God for centuries had promised, had promised, had promised, had promised. We celebrate God fulfilling his promise. Which means, I don't know where you are this morning. Some of you today are in a great place and you're going, yes, God answers prayers God is a promise-keeping God. Christmas is about God showing up that even when I can't see God's plan, I remember God is working. He is doing something. He is not asleep. But here's the incredible thing. For some of us, you're just kind of going through the motions. 
You're hanging on by the skin of your teeth saying, if I can just get through this week, then I can get back to what I need to do. Or maybe for some of us, this is the week you don't want to face because Christmas brings up other things as well. It accentuates the good, it accentuates the bad, and you go, I don't know how to get through it. I've got a friend who's in the hospital. I've got a spouse who's in the hospital. Or maybe it's not that they're in the hospital. Maybe I just am thinking, you know, I don't really want to go home because you don't know the kind of stress there is at home. And it seems like no matter what I say, it doesn't seem what I do. Even when I pray, it seems like God is not listening. And he would say, don't forget Plitoroma. That at just the right time, even when you can't see God's hand, he is still working his plan. He has not given up on you. He has not forgotten you. And he will act at just the right time. This is the power of Christmas. And it leads us to this one final thought before we call it a morning. See, we've said from day one that Christmas is about remembering Jesus' birth, but it's also about anticipating Jesus' return. And he is coming back, family. He is. How many of you believe Jesus is going to come back someday? He will come back. And you say, well, when? Don't you see the kind of world we live in? Don't you understand the stuff that is happening in our schools? Don't you understand how things are falling apart in our government? Don't you see what is taking place around the world? And God says, just because you can't see my hand, I am still working my plan. And Pleroma, at just the right time, I'm sending Jesus back. But listen, folks, he's not coming back as a baby, but as our conquering king and brother. This is what Christmas is about. So I have one question. Are you ready for Christmas? And I'm not just asking, are you ready for Christmas gifts? Amen, amen. (laughs) Don't you love honesty in the church? Yes! I'm not just asking, though, are you ready for the gifts in the morning? I'm asking you, if Jesus were to come back tomorrow, are you ready for it? I mean, he's at work, church. It's coming. Are we ready for him? And listen, this isn't to scare you. This isn't to say, turn or burn. This is not that message. It is simply to say that he is at work. He has not forgotten you. Are you ready for the return of the king?